What is going on, family? Welcome back to the Born or Made podcast. This is season three. I am so fired up about season three of the Born or Made podcast. Season two was epic, and season three is going to be fire. We've got some amazing guests lined up. Ryan Serhant, Noah Neiman, Joe DeSena, just to name a few. Really, really great content. Um, And in this season, we are going to focus on a bunch of stuff that you guys are already familiar with. We're really trying to understand this nature-nurture thing, which has been so great to navigate, and the journey has been really, really awesome and insightful. But we're also going to lean into habits a bunch in season three. I really want to start talking more about habits because I truly believe in my heart of hearts that our habits are what define our success and also our failures. I don't think there's anything wrong with failure. However, I would like to understand a little bit more about what other people's habits do for them what habits they have made, what habits they have broken, and how they have impacted their lives. Because I know for me, habits are everything. So without further ado, guys, welcome to the Born or Made Podcast Season 3. Let's do this. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Born or Made podcast. Today, I have a guy on the show that is pretty much the fucking man. His name is Joe DeSena. He is the CEO and founder of Spartan and the Death Race. If you have not done a Spartan race, you're fucking hiding under a rock somewhere and you should peek your head out. He's also a New York Times bestselling author of Spartan Up, Spartan Fit, and Spartan Way. He started his career selling fireworks. How old were you, Joe, when you were selling fireworks? Um, I was, uh, God, I was like in sixth grade or something when I started selling fireworks. So I I, want to introduce Joe to the show. I'm very excited to have him on. I met Joe at an event uh, about a year and a half ago, and we kind of hit it off. And welcome to the show, Joe DeSena. Thanks for having me. You make you made me feel good. I, I should have you um, every day when I wake up. I need you. To, I'm just going to repeat what you said. I'm going to blast what you just said around the house so that the kids and my wife, my wife said to me the other day, you know what she said? She goes, it's not a fair fight in our house. You have a podcast. You do all these things. You get media. She goes, it's like, I'm, she goes, I'm like Bernie Sanders before he became big. And you're like Ronald Reagan. And I, we, we can't, we can't compete fairly for the children's attention, but somehow she wins. She wins every battle anyway. The kids like her better. It's so funny that, um, you know, in my life outside of home, I am typically the captain of the ship in, in my business and, and things. And when it comes to home, I am without a doubt far from captain. I am, I am not captain at all. Yeah. I am... Uh, I am a, a, a soldier. You come, uh, you come in the house, you take off your uniform and all your medals. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So Joe, I you know you have such an interesting story, man. I I've 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 heard it a, a bunch of times just because I listen to podcasts and and you've done some really awesome podcasts uh, over the years, and you have a podcast of your own. I was a guest on your podcast a, a long time ago uh, when I launched the Seymours in 2015 or 16. Um, I'd love to just start from the beginning. You know, the, the podcast Born or Made is essentially we talk about the nature-nurture question, whether you think you were born with an inherent ability to get to where you're at today or if you were made over time. I have my opinions on the conversation. I love the, I love the dialogue on it because I just think it's so interesting. Um, and based on your story, I kind of think I, I, I know where you stand, but I'm, I'm going to ask you at the end of the podcast whether you think you were born or made. So let's start from the jump, dude. Let's let's get let's get to it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think about it a lot, right? Because we have four children here in this house. And I think all the time, how do I get these kids to to hustle, to get after it, to have those street smarts, that instinct, um, without any of the negatives um, from the neighborhood, you know, where I grew up, my friends and I grew up, there were a lot of negatives there could could i recreate that in in a nicer atmosphere in suburbia or on a farm in vermont and i don't i mean the, the jury's out i don't i don't know if i can so so um i don't know if we can my wife and i so i think it's a little bit of both i think um you know we look at our four can i just can i just stop you there for one sec because i think it's so interesting that you say that you grew up in in queens yeah. And I'm the first non-Queens kid out of my four generations of New York City family lineage. I grew up in Manhattan. And so you and I have this New York City thing in common. And in the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, you know, we, we have a house upstate. We decided to pack our stuff up for a couple of weeks and come to the house upstate. I never thought in a million years that I would leave New York City. I always wanted my kids to grow up in New York City because I was exposed to some really amazing shit as well as some really difficult and challenging things. But I, I believe that New York City offers a level of exposure to hustle and grit and street smarts that you can't really find many other places. So, you know, what are you doing for that? Yeah, I'm trying to manufacture it, right? Um, I'm trying to create... I, I'm, I, as you're asking questions, I'm just thinking when, when the boys um, were seven and nine years old, five and seven years old, I remember there was a pretty big storm outside and I had this little ritual going where the kids had to go get bags of pellets, wood from the barn, which was, you know, a couple of hundred yards away. And it was like a hurricane outside. And my wife was like, you're not going to. I said, no, they got to go out. What are you talking about? They got to go out. And so that was my way, I think, of, you know, trying to recreate 84th Street and 149th Avenue and, and Donna Cavalcanti running by beating up somebody, like just crazy shit I grew around. They were going to go out in the storm on the farm, completely protected, and go carry, a, you know, a bag of wood pellets um, that weighed 100 pounds. My son's, my son's walking by right now. He, he's smiling. He probably remembers it. But... Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to re I mean, look, they're on a mat. They're doing 11. The boys are doing 11 wrestling practices a week. Um, not so much because I want them to be Olympian, you know, Olympic wrestlers, but because it's hard. It's hard work. And I guess I'm trying to recreate 
that neighborhood thing, that hustle. Like you said, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and the trucks, the diesel trucks, you could hear them early in the morning, you know, uh, bagels were being buttered, third generation pizza places, they were already making dough. Shit was happening early in the morning and you saw that and it just became part of you. But I don't know, the jury's out if, if, if it'll work. They might, they might need to, you know, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> You mean you just you just said that and it just I, I never actually so interesting. I never thought about that. You know, I think that, you know, people talk about New York City and this energy or just city in general. Right. I mean, you get the same energy when you walk through like Naples and parts of Chicago and, you know, like there are cities where you get it. New York is a special place. But from my child, from the minute I was born, you know, you walk outside and and. You, you could call it energy or you could just call it people moving. You know what I mean? Like there's people moving everywhere. And that I think triggers something in the brain to be like, okay, shit is happening. People are moving now being upstate for the last eight months. I have everything I need here. So I'm happy. I'm content. I love being with my family. It's unbelievable. I never thought I'd have this time, but nobody's fucking moving. Like there's no like you walk outside and it's beautiful and it's like you smell you you breathe in the crisp air and like that's awesome, but <laughs> there's never an op there's never a moment where you're like oh shit let me get out of this guy's way or this person's looking at me funny or you know is there some can something happen here you know there's none of that I, I, really it's like oh my you know you're yeah on, on, I agree with you on the farm I created some of that I I, I was driving the other night. And I was, I was driving by a big construction site and my eyes always go to construction sites, heavy equipment, big trucks, cranes, dirt. And I created the hustle that you're talking about, that I'm talking about on the farm for, you know, 12 years by just bringing construction to me. So there were machines running, we were building buildings, we were like, cause I need to be around that action you're talking about, right? So, so going back to your question, can, can you create it? A construction site creates it. You know, um, I remember calling my dad when my dad was alive. We're living up in Vermont. We're living on the farm. And I'm losing my fucking mind because I'm like, I can't get anybody to work. Nobody hustles. He goes, Joe, you move to a place where you want to get a bunch of work done and you're living around everybody. They move there to not do any work. You know what I mean? Not not to say that people in Vermont don't work, but like there is some, they like to walk around and smell the roses, right? And hike the mountains and do the things that you might not do in Queens or in Manhattan. Um, because we gotta go, we gotta go get the store ready to be open at 8 a.m. Or the trucks gotta start making deliveries at 5 a.m. So I don't know, I create a little bit. I try to create, I manufacture adversity is my term. Um, whether it's construction, whether it's the wrestling mats. I had a Kung Fu master move in with us. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking over, I'm, I'm in front of my computer, I'm looking over at my, my second son and he's, and he's playing with our little white dog. Now in Queens, we had two Rottweilers and we got this little, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, like, we got an issue here. You're, you're oh, in a spotlight on a problem. I got a problem here. Um, I, I just think it's so interesting, man. I, you know, you, literally, I, I will tell you this for the first time. 
I I I had never thought about that. I oh, there's <laughs> there's the little white dog. Look at you. That's Vermont Rottweiler. Um, you know, I I say like just the energy from the people moving and the sound. You know, it's like the the people moving and the sound create just this. It just gets the blood flowing. Now I am blessed because I just have this internal fire that just never goes off. I can't wait to go to bed at night so I can wake up in the morning, literally. And I'm not saying that because I'm telling you that that's real for me. And I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I'm in the gym and I've got my whole entire morning just like laid out, you know. I mean, I'm a structured guy. So what 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 does that look like for you? What does your morning look like? Yeah, I'm an early morning guy. I've always been an early morning guy back in Queens, maybe because my my dad was out the door at 5 a.m., so um and he and he was around big trucks and and uh, they they you know they had a warehouse and they had um a trucking company next to Kennedy Airport so like um you had to be up early I guess as a kid I'm, I'm thinking as I talk to you I, I I'm thinking back to all those years I I probably wanted to be around him early in the morning so I at a very young age like I sit up kind of like a robot in the morning as soon as sunlight hits my face or it's like five a.m. I just get up. There's no like laying in bed. There's no like, you know, my wife hates it, but I just, yeah, I got to get out of bed immediately as soon as my eyes open and and I get right to it. And I'm, I'm working out, you know, by 5.30 a.m. I got to be sweating early in the morning. I got to get some big stuff done early in the morning. And then I got to make the kids work out mandatory for the last, let me just think for a second, for the last uh, 11 years. They've been working out every single morning and that's a fight. I mean, that is a fight every day. Um, and then, and then all the, you know, all the normal shit starts, the emails, the phone calls, the bullshit. Um, I, I was uh, having a conversation with a guy named Jay Ferrugia, really cool dude. And he's got a great podcast called the Renegade Radio. And he said something to me that was so just, it just struck a chord. He said, you know, I reserve the first part of my day for proactivity. And, and then I don't, I don't get into reactivity until all my proactivity is done. And I was like, that just sums it up. Yeah. You know, like, like reacting to shit is disrupting, right? <laughs> like if you're, if you're, if you put all that, that stuff to the side and you and you get and you actually get after it like the you know get after it the term like you are attacking something um i feel like the rest of your day is a breeze no matter what is going on right oh, like, it goes back, it goes back to admiral mccraven's uh, famous speech there right you want to change the world start by making your bed in the morning and it creates momentum so so for you and i uh it's proactivity it's working out it's sweating it's you know, I don't eat my first meal till nine. I think you were eating one meal a day when I met you um, a while back. What do you do? What do you do now? What's your latest on the meals? So I, I was, yeah, no, when I, when we met, I, it was right before my first bodybuilding competition. And, uh, and so I was like in an insane calorie deficit for that. Uh, but now I actually got my pro bodybuilding card in September. Uh, thanks, man. And so now I'm like, I'm eating like an animal, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I train fasted every morning. So I'm in the gym by five thirty, and, uh, you know, I work out for about two hours 
and then I have uh, and then I and then I, I I have some athletic greens and then I eat. Um, and I, you know, I, I eat the same thing every day. <laughs> I'm kind of a, uh, I mean, I'm a real creature of habit. I'm actually launching a business called Creatures of Habit, uh, based on this idea that like you find some shit that works, you stick with it, and like life just gets better. Um, but yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm eating a lot. I'm eating a lot these days. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put on some. Good, stuff. good, good. So my nine. same thing. My breakfast is until nine, and um, and then uh, now lately I've been doing another workout at night because I bring the kids to their wrestling um, practice at night. And um, there's a power lifter. Yeah, I was never a big subscriber to lifting. I'm, you're gonna cringe at me because that's your, that's your whole thing. I was just more of an endurance guy. But um, this power lifter kind of sucked up these kids. There's a whole bunch of kids there. And they all wanna see, you know, what can they bench and what can they deadlift and what can they squat? And it's awesome because then it's no longer me motivating the kids. They're like, they're just sucked up in, in, in this thing. And, um, and so I, I try to do my stuff uh, again at night when I get there. And then I take my second cold shower and uh, I go to bed. I'm, I go to bed easy. I don't, a lot of people out there say they can't sleep. I mean, that means you're not working hard enough. I go to sleep like, boom, I'm out. So, so do I, man. It's, it's weird. I, I, I literally, I, I, I've, I've implemented this habit at night where I, uh, I actually listen to um, I like listen to a book, uh, as I go to bed and I, I, I literally put it on a 30 minute sleep timer and within a minute and a half I'm out. And so I get through books pretty quickly, but I don't retain any information <laughs> because I get about a minute every 30 minutes. Um, I want, but I want to, I want to go back to your, to your, to your, your story in Queens. And I want to, cause I really want to understand what, what drove you, man, uh, let, let's let's get into it because I think it's an interesting thing to cover. Well, you know, my parents my parents were um, first of all the neighborhood was all organized crime, um, and so if you were a young boy like Charlie sitting over here on my right, you you wanted that you wanted the nice car that they had you wanted the respect you heard everybody whispering under their breath even though you didn't know at a young age what it was exactly I mean you kind of know who the tough guys are who the lions are in the neighborhood and what that's all about and so you wanted to be that. And, um, you know, my dad was around that because uh, he had a business at, at the airport. And so um, my mom uh, recognized she happened to walk into a health food store in the 1970, early 70s. And she met a yogi and uh, there was a bunch of incense burners, probably the only the only health food store in New York at the time. And there was an Indian that had just come in from India, from Kennedy Airport, was in the yoga. In the, in the health food store and she pivoted her whole life. She divorced my dad, she got her kids, my, me and my sister out of that neighborhood because of, you know, it was raviolis, you know, it was raviolis, uh, ganolis, jail, cement, uh, pizza, play. those are the conversations every night. Who's going to jail? Did you see, you see this new pizza, this guy came, have you tried that calzone? Um, or you believe the price of cement uh, went up? I mean, that was it. And my mom, my mom wanted to see a different way. So she, um, she wanted to move us to Ithaca, New York, because it was more of a hippie-ish kind of a place. Cornell University is there, more open-minded to this new way of life she was into. But I, I wanted to be in the name. First of all, kids don't want to leave their friends. Um, but, I, but I especially wanted to be there 
And the thing was, I had red hair. Everybody else had dark skin like you, dark hair, right? And I had red hair, light skin. And um, so I didn't necessarily fit the mold of like a uh, leg breaker, you know? That wasn't, that wasn't the look I had. And uh, so I think I struggled with um, subconsciously or consciously, this idea was, was I tough enough? Could I do the time? Because if you wanted to go on that path, if you wanted to be successful in that business, you had to go away. You had to do time. That was the deal. And um, so I started cold showers way before Wim Hof, man. I was doing cold showers literally in the 70s. I was carrying rocks around the neighborhood. I was, I was seeing what my mother was doing. She was running 10 miles a day. She was doing yoga. She was meditating. She was, became vegan. And, and I was applying it to my, you know, I wanted to be tough. I wanted to use some of the tough things she was doing, but I, I didn't want to do it with incense and chanting and beads. And, um, and so that's where it all started. That's where it started. And, and, and I think my first test to see if I was quote unquote tough enough was I started a business. After selling the fireworks, I started a, a swimming pool cleaning business. My first customer was my neighbor. He was the head of the banana organized crime family. He was the boss. And um, he took me in under his wing. Uh, I was pre-teens. And he said, all right, listen, uh, first lesson on time is late. You're supposed to be here 8 a.m. You get here 7.45. Second lesson. And this was, it was like a very quick thing. I'm never going to talk to you again. This is all you need to know through life, you know? Like, um, if you're going to clean the swimming pool, you're going to go above and beyond, clean, clean the, 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 the shed out, clean the windows, do, do all these other things that you're not even getting paid for because you're going to make yourself invaluable. I'm going to recommend you. Uh, and that's just the deal. And the third thing is you never ask for money. Do not have your hand out. You'll get paid when, when you add value. And uh, most unlikely source to get these uh, invaluable lessons. And, and they stuck with me forever. Do you think that those have those have, a, did, do you think that he lived by those mantras or, or those th that advice? And have those actually stuck with you? Oh, literally guided, guided my whole life. Uh, in addition to stuff my dad was giving me. And some, somehow I always have 20-year-older mentors. I don't know how that happens. I've always got 20, 30-year-older mentors that have given me great advice. But those three really, those three bits of advice really stuck out. And, I, and I, it's guided my whole life. Um, did he live by those? Um, you know, at the time I was pre-teens, he was probably 40, um, 40 something. And um, I don't know, he went to jail, he was on the lam. I mean, it was a lot of shit happened. Um, uh, certainly while things were good, I think they all do. Um, and there are some guys that really held firm to their, you know, values and beliefs, no matter what you think of them. There are some guys that really uh, stuck them out. And then, you know, we've all read the papers and watched the movies. There's others that, um, you know, here are my principles. If you don't like those, I have others type guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember as a kid going to Canal Street often, probably 11, 12 you know, maybe even you know, 11, 12 years old on the trains. I was like a, a maniac as a kid and there was no stopping me. I was really pro. I was a terrible, I, I, I feel for my parents of how bad I was as a kid, but we used to go to canal street. And back in those days, like, you know, specifically in the summertime, obviously around July 4th, but like you can get your hands into fireworks on canal street in the, in the eighties and nineties in New York city, any time of year. And there was always the, 
the Chinese guys that would set them up on the sidewalk. And then when you said to the Chinese guys, yeah, like, I don't want the, you know, I don't want like the, the, the Rizzlers. I want like the fucking dynamite. <laughs> then they would walk you into the Italians. <laughs> They'd walk you down the alley into the back room, down a flight of steps. You end up in this dark room and there's like literally sticks of dynamite everywhere. You're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly. I, I think I know exactly where you went. Um, yeah, that's funny. I know. We well, we used to we used to blow up telephone booths. We we so yeah. did we to get the quarters. That was our that was our scheme. That was our scheme. You know how I know I'm older than you because when you said get the quarters, I think I remember the phones taking nickels, dimes, and then quarters. <laughs> yeah, we. I just remember those little pineapples. We used to shove those little blockbusters and pineapples inside the. Uh, inside the quarter the 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 coin receive and just get you know boom blast boom 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 everybody in the neighborhood was like ah anybody Uh, listening doesn't know what i think a pineapple was a quarter stick of dynamite uh, at that time but but um crazy times man and and listening to you saying i i don't know how hard it was on my parents it was really hard on my parents to control me i was a lunatic as well Um, and I wonder, I wonder if we were to study, because this is your podcast This is exactly the thing you're looking at. If we were to study entrepreneurs, if we saw that more often than not, that the young kids were just uncontrollable and then later on became entrepreneurs. I have a feeling there's a correlation there. Well, I, I mean, look, you know, I also, the fact that you started selling fireworks in sixth grade, I mean, I had, I started my first business you know, in fifth, sixth grade walking dogs. And by the end of my sixth grade year, I, I had 30 dogs that I was walking and my parents had to actually stop me because I'd get home from school and I'd walk dogs until eight thirty nine o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, I think that there's the, the goal for the podcast for me, and it's so hard to really distinguish, but what was it that drove you? Like, what was the thing? I can't really explain. I knew I just wanted, I wanted. That's what it was for me. Like, I... I always wanted, I was never comfortable settling. Like I wasn't like, okay, cool. You know, like it just never, you know, when the, when the Reebok pumps came out, I had a dream. My parents were broke. And when the Reebok pumps came out, it was probably 1986. I remember it like it was yesterday. They were the high top ones with the neon green. And then they came out with a mid top that was blue and black. And I knew I wasn't getting them unless I got them. And I had a dream that I was walking out of a church. I remember this dream so clearly. I was walking out of a church. I don't know who I was with, but I was with a friend of mine. And it was at night. And I looked down and I had the Reeboks on my, I had the pumps on my feet. And I jumped down the flight of steps thinking that I was the coolest thing on the planet. And then that was when I said, I'm going to go get the pumps. But do you see, I think think you nailed it. Um, For me, it was the Adidas uh, superstars. So, so, um, you know, on the one hand, I don't want my kids interested in all that stuff. But on the other hand, I want my kids interested in all that stuff, right? Because, because it drives all the actions, the, the hustle, the work to go get those things. Um, look at this guy right here. Look at this. Look at what we're dealing with. He's reading. He's sitting there reading Harry <laughs> Potter. He doesn't care what sneakers he has because he can get any sneakers he wants. That's the problem. Uh huh. What? 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 But what if 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 you were asked like, 
what do you think it was that drove you to want to sell fireworks and then, you know, get into the pool business and actually, I mean, you, you had seven, how many customers did you have at the end of your pool at, at the end of the, the, the pool? Business? I had 700 customers, but I think it was exactly what you just said. I think it was, I want the shoes. I want to know if I'm tough enough. I want to, I want to be on, you know, on their level and, and um, I'm going to hustle. Here's a crazy one. We put on a race in June during COVID in uh, Jacksonville. And I'm down there with my family. And this woman comes out to me, 40 something years old. Here, come here. Charlie wants me to show you his sneakers. He, what, what's the point of this? They're all ripped and stuff. <laughs> They're ripped and, and you see the, do you see that, by the way? See that on the uh, bottom of the shoe. There, did, he, did he do that? The reason that, the reason that is completely destroyed is shoe. I made him do 300 rope climbs in a row. And on his way down, he would break with his shoes and it tore, it literally ripped through his shoes. (laughs) I love it. He's putting in work, man. Look at that. That's, that's, that's work. Putting in work and, um, and he's cutting weight right now. But so, so like, what was I saying? You were saying that you were down in Florida Florida. for the, uh, the yeah. And I meet this woman, this woman come Joe. And I said, yeah. She said, I was your neighbor growing up. I said, really? She goes, yeah, I knew, I knew, I knew your sister. I said, you did? And I didn't, she goes, but you didn't, you didn't really do the stuff that all the other kids did. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, we would like go to the beach or we'd go to the, um, there was, this, there was this place, this hot dog place in town, whatever, video games. All you were doing was working all the time. And it, it was like, it really became clear. This is only a few months ago, right? In, in June, uh, somebody I didn't even remember that remembers me from 30 years ago and says, yeah, you, you, all you were doing was working. And I think, you know, I certainly wasn't reading Harry Potter. We'll take another. I certainly wasn't sitting around reading Harry Potter. <laughs> I can't complain. The kid's reading, right? I wish he was yeah. carrying bricks, but he's reading. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a, I think that there is a, a bit of an inherent gene or, or something that gives a, a probably a smaller group of people this drive to want to just do, you know, I think I, the question I get asked most, and I'm sure you get asked this, much more than I do. How do you stay so motivated? How do you stay so in shape? What, you know, what is it? What's the secret? I literally, somebody wrote this morning uh, on a, on a post, bro, how do you get the motivation to work out, man? I've been trying for days and it's so short lived. What's your secret? And I wrote no secret, man. It's called manning the fuck up. You are the only roadblock. Get out of your own fucking way. Make a commitment and stick to it. No one or nothing is going to be able to do it for you. And like, I literally believe that at my core. There's no fucking trick. There's no pill. There's no nut. There, like, you just do. I love you. That's. I love Yoda, right? Do or do not. That's it. (laughs) There's no. There's no trick. That's it. So no, we're you and I are in, in complete agreement. I think. Here's what I think. There's a great book called The Edison Gene. Uh, tonight, when you go to bed, put it on, listen to it before you fall asleep. And um, 
I, I forget the author's name, but he 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 argues that ADD, attention deficit disorder, is actually a gene, and the gene is not a um, not a problem. It's actually a gift, and I agree with him. I definitely have it, and I, I agree. It's the greatest gift ever. And he argues that the gene comes from us being hunter-gatherers, and we were constantly monitoring our environment. We're, we're looking for things we can eat, kill, forage. Uh, we're, we're, we're looking out for threats. And then we became an agrarian society. And what happens when we become an agrarian society? We sit around waiting for... <laughs> We sit around waiting for the plants to grow, right? You and I are out there hunting and finding and cutting down um, trees so we could replant some stuff. And then there's the farmers over here that are just, <laughs> they're just waiting, right? And so I think that's, I think that's what it is. I think, I think, you know, I joke with my wife all the time. I say, you're a farmer, I'm a hunter-gatherer. It doesn't make one right or one wrong, but um, I, one, one's not right, one's not wrong, but I think that's that hustle, you and I, and there just happens to be probably going to probably gonna be more hunter-gatherer if you're even going to live in the places where like you and I grew up, right? You move, by the way, you move to a farm. You're a hunter-gatherer, you just move to the farm, and you go outside every day, and you're wondering why there's not a bunch of hunter-gatherers out there killing shit. Well, guess what opens up tomorrow? Hunting season. Hunting season. <laughs> you, you better believe I will be out there at four o'clock in the morning. Nice. Um, I want to ask you uh, about. So just just quickly, just run us through. So so you 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 end up on Wall Street, right? How how did that happen? I um, my mom wins the battle. My sister and I go to Ithaca, New York. I go. We go back and forth and see our dad. I think once a month, every two weeks. And um, I'm graduating high school in Ithaca. Can't wait back. Can't wait to get back to the neighborhood uh, and leave Ithaca. And my friend, whose dad is a professor at Cornell, says, "Hey, why don't we go to Cornell?" And I was like, "Well, I got this business I'm running, swimming pool business back in Queen. You know, I got to go back to my business. I want to get back to the neighborhood. And our grades suck. Like my grades suck. Like I'm gonna be able to get in Cornell." He says, "No, no, no." So my dad's a professor, he'll get us in. So that was intriguing to me because if it was like, if it was a little gray and there was a way in, I like, all right, we'll go to Cornell. That could be cool. <laughs> so we both threw on suits. We interviewed at Cornell and neither of us got in. But now I was even more intrigued. Now I was like, oh, I'm not good enough for this school, right? I, I wanna go, I wanna go. And um, his dad said, listen, you can take classes at Cornell, not as a student, but you'd be extra, uh, you'd be um, non-matriculated. You'd, 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 eventually they would count those classes if you became a student, but we could take them and we could prove to, to Cornell that we can handle the workload. So why don't we do that in September? We could take three classes, all the regular kids are taking five classes. So I said, all right, here's what I'll do this summer. When I go back to the neighborhood to run my business, I'll go to St. John's. I'll take a couple of classes at St. John's. I'll learn how to study. I'll, I'll um, hopefully get some good grades. And then when we get in, because it sounds like we'll get in if we do well, I'll just apply those St. John's credits so that I'm, I'm caught up. Went back, ran my business, went to St. John's, actually fell in love with going to school, learning how to learn. 
uh, came back. My, my buddy, by the way, completely diverted. He said, fuck that. He goes, if we're going to get serious in September, I'm going to Vegas. I want to party all summer. So he goes to Vegas. <laughs> Come back. Do very well at St. John's. I do very well at Cornell. We reapply, Both of us reapply. Neither of us get in again. The admissions woman says, look, uh, you're better off going to another school. And then, and then in two or three years, you could apply. Sorry, sorry the dog's barking. Um, two or three years, you could apply. And uh, maybe you'll get let in. And so my buddy tapped out. My buddy tapped out and he went to Vegas. He went to UNLV. And I stuck with it. I was, I was um, pretty fired up. I was going to do this. I, already started, I was already starting to build an identity that I was going to Cornell, even though I wasn't going to Cornell, right? Even though I wasn't official, like my dad was proud, my son's at Cornell, first kid in, in our lineage to get to a you know, university. And, but I was like a fraud. I wasn't even official. So I did it again. I, I took three classes again and uh, reapplied and the answer was no. And then I did it again and the answer was no. And on my fourth try, I was pretty broken. I thought, you know what? My business has gotten really big in Queens. I'd rather be with those guys anyway. What the hell am I doing here? I'm clearly not cut out for it. And my mom said, before you leave, before you pack in and quit, uh, I want you to meet this uh, yoga student of mine. She taught yoga out of the house, my mother. And uh, this woman's name was Professor Anita Racine. I remember her name like yesterday. And she sits me down and she says, um, she asked me a bunch of questions to see, you know, what, what my interests are and so forth. She's looking at my grades. My grades are pretty good. And she goes, look, I run the textile department at Cornell. And between us, I didn't know what a textile was. And she says, um, I got 92 women in the department and we need some diversity. We need some men. Do you like textiles? And I was like, I love textiles. <laughs> <laughs> so I became the first male in that department and i studied um women's hemlines and i studied design and we studied the business the actual textile business which honestly if i had to do it again i would take i, I would take the same um major the same focus because um the textile industry at that point was going through turmoil it was leaving the us and going overseas and there were quota issues and so we really dug into some cool stuff but then the added benefit is if I watch a movie with my family and it's an old movie, I know exactly what era it's from based on women's hemlines because I studied oh. <laughs> so so um a skill that everybody skill everybody yeah. <laughs> so I um I'm graduating, I make it, I get in. My buddy, like I said, went to UNLV, I'm graduating. And there's a last semester, there's this class offered, this entrepreneurship class at the business school. And so I, I decided to take that class. There's a bunch of judges that are going to offer $5,000 to the best business idea. You got to present in front of the judges. So I came up with this idea. I presented. I ended up winning the thing. I, and I ended up becoming friends with one of the judges. One of the judges, um, Italian guy, um, lives in Ithaca, still lives in Ithaca now, went to Cornell. But we clicked right away because he had some of my neighborhood in him, you know, and uh, I brought him a bottle of Sambuca to his house. We built a relationship and he became one of those mentors for me, just like the, you know, the boss of the Bonanno family was my mentor. And, uh, or my dad was my mentor. This guy became a mentor. And he said, um, 
what are you doing when you graduate? Which was only a few months away. And I said, well, I'm going back to run my business. You know, it's a multi-million dollar business now. I got the greatest customers in the world. They kill people for a living. And uh, he said, you're an idiot. You got to go to Wall Street. So he ended up, long, long story short, he ended up guiding me upon uh, graduation. Not easily, but he, he pushed me eventually to Wall Street. And, um, and it, I ended up in your town. I ended up in Manhattan. Uh, a lot of guys from Queens don't end up in Manhattan. I ended up in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. true. Queens are all about uh, the Mets, the Jets, and heavy metal. That, <laughs> that was when I was a kid, all the Queens kids, because I went to LaGuardia High School, which was, a, which was an arts high school, and all the Queens kids were Mets fans, Jets fans, and into heavy metal. Um, Not only that, it's more of a, it's so, more of a nine to five kind of place yeah. in this blue collar. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Um, and yeah, and you're like, you're right. Like most Queens kids, Brooklyn kids would come to Manhattan, Queens in the Bronx and Staten Island didn't even exist in the whole, like Staten Island was just kind of, you know of, what that was. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think I've been there once. I, I had a, um, a, a few I, customers yeah. there, but I could never figure that place out. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the Veranzano Bridge is an awesome bridge to yeah. run. It's an awesome, awesome bridge to run. I was a big, you know, before I got into weight training, I was, uh, I, I, I competed in Muay Thai kickboxing for years. And in Muay Thai, you don't lift any weights. All you do is you run for your conditioning and you do calisthenics. And then kettlebell work, you know, started to become a thing just because you don't, you know, it doesn't stiffen you up kettlebell yeah. work like weights would. But I was a big bridge runner. So all I want to do, when I, you know, when I was like running the marathon and what I was just like running over the bridges, running over the bridge. So my only real taste of Staten Island over the years was my like one or two feet in, in into this into the borough once I would, you know, get to the other side of the bridge and back. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I will say that, uh, you know, Queens has got its own thing going. Queens has got its own thing going. So so you get you get into Wall Street and you know you you say, I've heard you say this on uh, uh you know you, you know you, you you briefly touch on the Wall Street stuff. But I just wanted to ask you did you crush on Wall Street? More with my guest in just a minute. Hey guys, I have made a decision in season three to not take on any sponsors for the podcast. Why? Well, I'm launching my own business. It's called Creatures of Habit. I've had a number of businesses in the past, but this is going to be a new one. I'm very, very excited about. Uh, it is really covering wellness, fitness, mindset. We're going to be selling some great products. It would mean the world to me if you went over to creaturesofhabit.com. That's creatures spelled with a K, K-R-E-A-T-U-R-E-S-O-F-H-A-B-I-T.com and left us your email because I want to keep you all updated with what's going on with Creatures of Habit. We will be launching pretty soon. I'm very excited about it, and I want you to be as excited as I am. So drop your email at creaturesofhabit.com, and we will keep you updated uh, with all the stuff that we've got going on. All right, back to the show. Well, I got crushed right away. I, I ended up in Wall Street. I had made some money over the years running my business, and then... Um, and then I thought I knew what the hell I was doing. 
trading stocks. So I started to invest and overinvest, and right away I just got hammered, killed. Um, and so all those years making all that money, basically lost it all. But I started to build a skill set, and um, and I had a great job where I could learn the entire business from the bottom to the top. And I eventually spun it out and started my own firm, and um, we we killed it. We just killed it. Right time, right place, right idea, and and we just killed it. And uh, sold it in 2005. Had moved to Vermont, and then just chased this crazy dream of running up and down mountains and across countries and um, being out in snowdrifts. I'm sorry, the dog is barking like crazy. My son, my son, who's listening to this hustle conversation made or born should go over there and quiet the dog down let's go before you end up uh... but i want to i want to i want to ask you something else before we dive into spartan because obviously you know i know that you don't have a ton of time left but i i want to i want to get into spartan obviously just the the work on wall street and the years of pounding the concrete like that what were you were you taking care of yourself or no, no? Not, Not at all. all. No, no. I, um, I mean, when I did the construction, I was just naturally very fit because we're mixing cement, laying bricks. We were doing, it, it became much bigger than a swimming pool uh, service, but we were building pools. We were doing all kinds of stuff. So, and I worked 14, 15 hour days. Um, so I was very, very fit. Plus I was a gym rat and I, I invented with a kid out of prison. Um, a, we called it the prison workout. You'll, you'll actually appreciate this. This was um, probably 1989, 89 and 90. Because I worked so much, I had to put in a workout. I had to come up with a workout that I could I can get in and out in an hour. I had to be able to get in and out in an hour. I wanted to hit every body weight. I just didn't believe, or body part, I didn't believe in, um, in like, oh, we're going to do legs today. And then we're going to do, I, I didn't have time for that. So it was, it was um, I think it was over a hundred sets in an hour. And it started with, um, I don't know, if you, let me go through the whole thing if you don't mind, because it's a trip down memory lane for me. It was, um, I'd go over to the squat rack, we'd just put one plate on. So it was 135 pounds, 25 reps. Run from the squat rack, literally run. There was, once the thing started, once the clock started, there was no, <laughs> wasting time we went right from exercise to exercise right and the only guy i had a hundred different friends try this with me for years the only guy was the kid that came out of prison this kid john that would stick with me everybody else said this is the dumbest workout ever so we do we do the squats 25 uh, reps we immediately go over to leg extensions 25 reps leg curls 25 reps calf raises 25 reps four rounds so i'd get four rounds done i'd go to shoulders shoulders i'd go I'm literally remembering, I haven't talked about this forever. So I'm remembering, we'd go um, military press, um, whatever the weight was, pretty light for me. I didn't have super strong shoulders. So maybe they were 25 pound plates and we'd knock out, you know, as many as we could. We'd go to side laterals, 25 reps, front, 25 reps, rear delts, 25 reps, four rounds. I'd go from that, I'm literally remembering this. This is fucking 30 years ago. Run over to the... Um, run over to the pull-up bar. They had a pull-up bar that had the, I think it was a Cybex machine. I don't know what, what the name of the machine was, but you could step on the, they still have them today. You could step on it and, and get some assistance. 
yeah, yeah. So it was um, the only thing we did for back was that machine, 25 reps, four rounds. He'd go, I go, he'd go, I go. Get over to bench. It was um, all dumbbell work. It was uh, um, flat bench, 25 reps, whatever the weight was you could do, incline, decline, push-ups, four rounds. Um, now we're on biceps and triceps, right? Because I covered, yeah, biceps, triceps. We didn't do anything for core. Um, biceps were uh, pull-ups, chin-ups, um, and then hammer curls, and then preacher, four rounds. And then triceps were um, dips, uh, overhead um, presses, and then the, and then the push-down bar, four rounds. It was 100. It was a hundred sets. It was an hour. You wanted to vomit every time you did that. By the way, that program that you just laid out is probably all anybody would ever need to do. Oh my God. It was, it was, that's it. It was unbelievable. It was, um, that's an, I'm going to do that tomorrow. (laughs) I got this shit recorded. (laughs) Can you do it? Would you mind? I'll FaceTime with you. Would you mind doing it? Oh, dude, I'll, I'll fucking do it for sure. I've got everything I need in my gym. I got it all here. You got to do that. That was the, that was, you got to call it the Spartan prison workout. Um, I haven't done that since the nineties. And, and you know what, when we would, we would go to gold's gym to do it. And I did it at least three to four times a week. Okay. And you just cringe when you knew you had, it just was that bad. You know what I mean? Cause there was no rest. Yeah. You could not stop. Once it started, you had to be out by an hour. That was the deal. So, you know, in CrossFit, right, they, they've got their workouts and obviously got very hard workouts, but I think this one takes the cake. That's a good one. I mean, I think the hard, the, the, the hardest part of that probably, and it's so funny that, that this would be the hardest part, but it is because there's no weights involved, are the pull-ups. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. When you got you, – you wanted to just you – you got to that point when you had to do um, – I'm sorry, the chin-ups, if you're talking about the chin When you got to biceps and triceps, you, you, you just wanted to pack it in. Like, all right, we already did enough at this point, right? But you got it done. The pull-ups suck. Pull-ups always suck. Pull-ups. I've actually gotten... I did it. I was going to say... You've actually gotten... Wrong. I got better at pull-ups now than I was then. I just, I just, I'm, I did in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I, my, I wanted to, I wanted to see how many pull-ups I can get in a sitting. And in the beginning of the pandemic, I like surprised myself and I jumped on my jumped up my pull up bar and I do pull ups. I do 50 pull ups every single day to start my workout. It's just part of my program. But I got up there and I did 22 dead hang pull ups first shot out the gate to see what I could do. And I was like, holy shit. That's good. And I got up to 37 pull ups. That's impressive. Without getting not 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 uh like boom 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 but hanging taking my time hanging i got to 37 pull-ups man it was the i couldn't believe it it was like whole i couldn't that's impressive no i i um i don't know why when i started it maybe two or three years ago i started this pull-up thing where i do 50 a day every day as well now i don't do 50 uh in a row i don't do them not they're not swinging you know they're good pull-ups but they're sets of 10 i do five sets of 10 every day. yeah um that's what i did yeah so yeah that's the story 
So Spartan man. So let so tell me about so so you're you're on Wall Street and you're not taking care of yourself and that's what sort of kickstarts this whole entire. I, I actually Spartan met man. a guy. I, the the elevator was busted and we had to take the stairs to get up to the floor where we had our office and um, there was a guy uh, in the stairwell and he um, he was very fit. He was a he was a model on the cover of Men's Health and he was carrying dumbbells up and down the stairs. And I um, started to talk to him on the way up, you know, guys like you and I, we talked to everybody and I was just having this conversation. And by the end of it, I was meeting him in the stairwell every day. And, and, um, and I just started to get really fit in that stairwell. I mean, you know what it's like going up and down stairs, you carry dumbbells. It's, 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 um, there's not a lot of oxygen in the stairwell. It's hot, you're sweating. And I just started to feel really good. And then from there, in those conversations, going up and down the stairs, he said, you got to try an adventure race. I didn't know what it was. I knew, I, I knew like long distance running race. I knew this, but I never really heard of this. Like we're going to kayak and bike and run and it sounded a little silly, but I went and did one with him down in Texas. And um, that was it. I was hooked. Talk about feeling alive and great. Probably like you felt in Muay Thai, right? When you would fight. Um, and so I, um, the harder the race, the more interested I was, wherever that race was, anywhere in the world, I, you can't do that one. Oh yes, I will sign me up. And, and, um, and so I just went on this rampage around the world doing events. And because I'm an entrepreneur during those events, I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put on events. And so that's how Spartan was born. You ran, uh, a hundred ultras. And 14 Ironmans in one year, is was, that right? It was 50, but, but I love the fact that, um, that the number, keep, the fish keeps getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that you just said 100, because no one's ever said that. Thing. And for a moment, I could have said, yeah, 100. Um, so 50 ultras? 50 ultras, 14 Ironmans, yeah. So in, the, in one year? One year. I went a little, a little crazy. Um, but my, my, my favorite story is I did, um, I did the, the Vermont 100. I did um, Badwater, which is across Death Valley, lowest elevation in the US, the highest. And I did uh, Lake Placid Ironman all in a week, um, which was, which was uh, very hard, very hard. It was 137 degrees in Death Valley when we ran across Death Valley. My shoes melted, my shirt melted. Um, I mean, you could appreciate temperatures from the kitchen, right? Like, <laughs> so it was pretty hot. 137 degrees outside is a nightmare. You turn into a meatball. <laughs> Were you married then? Uh, I was married, yes. I was married. And how, so, you know, I get enough crap from living this sort of like, you know, life of an entrepreneur, must stay fit, structures, everything, like, you know, I don't let things penetrate that stuff for me. And, and, and you know, I, I, I also don't like sacrifice my family because I'm up before way before everybody else to do it. But my wife can't stand. If my I, wife is over I, here. She's listening to you and she's like, yes, like, look how great I am because I let you do anything. No, I do. the truth is, I the truth it. is I was on my like 14th <laughs> Ironman. We were in Switzerland. She's eight months pregnant with our first son. I'm barely making it across the finish line. 
and she's like, what are we doing? Are we gonna just do Ironmans or all? Like, what, is, what are we doing? Are we having a family? This is ridiculous. So that was, I think that was, no, that wasn't my last Ironman, but. Oh, no, how about when you did bike riding at Aconcagua when Jack was like an infant and Charlie was an infant and I used to. It's true, I on. would leave, I would leave on adventures often while she had kids in the house and and a couple of times a couple of times somehow bats bats would end up in the house through the chimney or whatever so i'm away she'd call, I'm away. She'd call and say get the fucking bats out of oh, here like I'm, no I'm, she got I'm, to the point where she can kill them by herself. I am like a she, she, she killed the bats dude you're creating hustle my man this is how you created hustle take in the care home. of the kids killing bats and I'm out at doing adventures. I trapped it with a salad spinner and I let it go outside. Oh, you got it with a salad spinner? Now the truth comes out? You made it sound like you killed I it and cooked it. A bad. It just, I did have to. You know, it's, it's so funny. So for my last bodybuilding competition, you know, we're in pandemic. The world is in, is in, a, is in a, you know, shit storm. And I am, like, convinced that I'm going to do this bodybuilding I mean, I, you know I, I trained for it you know and 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 the training's not that hard it's really the nutrition right like you have to be disciplined to the point where you're just you're 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 training harder than you've ever trained and you're also putting in 1200 calories a day so your body is just like it's working backwards literally just detracting and my wife was like, why are you doing this? No, there's not going to be any competitions. Ever, all You've had four of them cancel in a row. And I said to her, I was like, babe, I'm telling you, I'm going to find one. I'm just not going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to find one. And I got so lucky. I found one. She wanted to kill me, kill me. Because when you're eating 1200 calories a day for like two months straight, you're just not the most pleasant guy to be around. And when the kids are screaming, you know, you're, uh, you know, I'm, I was just like, babe, you got to go handle that. And she's like, this isn't your career. And I'm like, it, it means, it means a lot to me. <laughs> it just, it means a lot to me. Anyway, I found this tiny little show that happened in, uh, Maine and I won, I won the whole oh, that's show, a, that's awesome. <laughs> but it was like, it, you know, my, so I, I'm, I'm hearing you with the, the ultras and the Ironmans and I'm like the amount of training that I know that goes into that. Your wife is incredible. Did you hear that, wife? You're incredible. Yeah, she walked away. I'm glad she didn't hear it because I don't want it to go to her head. I like keeping her changed <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> um, all right, man. I want to just ask you a few more questions, then I'm going to cut you loose. Uh, culture, to me, means a lot in business. It means could, could very well mean everything. What is your thoughts on culture in business? Yeah, you know, I try to instill... And, and I think um, I am definitely a work in progress. I try to instill that neighborhood culture. Um, it was easy when it was five of us in a room. When it got to 500 of us, a, a spanning 45 countries, it's harder. Um, I would say it's not impossible though. And I think it's because of Spartan and what it stands for and the kind of people it attracts to come work for us. Typically, you're getting paid less than market. You're working twice as hard as market, you know, anywhere else. And um, but you get to watch that last place person cross the finish line that might be missing a leg or like, you know what I mean? So if you're attracted to work in a place like this, I already have an advantage of the kind of people I'm getting. That said, um, 
I'm not, I'm definitely not, I'm a work in progress on, 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 uh, on getting culture. Per I think companies in general are work in progress. I mean, I look back to the 1950s, look at all the behemoths that were running the world. Most of them don't even exist anymore. They don't exist. I mean, Kodak, come on. Like you remember Kodak was it, right? Go down the list mm -hmm. of companies that were these giant monster companies and they're barely surviving. And so, um, I think it's I think it's one of these things where it's just it's always going to be a work in progress and yeah I don't know if I answered the question well or not but yeah no I mean I got it culture I think is the hardest thing it's the it's it's what companies are typically born on but it's the hardest thing to scale it's the on hardest scale thing to you scale. hire people I had Jeff my COO saying it to me today Joe we got to get your voice back in fuse and it's like. It's easy when there's five of us sitting around, but like, what am I gonna do? I like, I can't be on. You can't be on every phone. Like, so you you do the best you can do. And and the brand that we are is a tough, crazy. Like, like anybody that's any consultant, any investor, any board member, anybody that looks at us says you gotta soften it. Like, no, no, I want to harden it. I want to soften it. <laughs> Take that barbed wire thing out of there. Get rid. No, add more barbed wire. If you had to describe, if you had to say the Spartan was a life, like, like the Spartan lifestyle, what would that, what would that Well, be? I think it's exactly what you would envision 2,500 years ago, right? It's a very simple life. It's, it's, um, it's just hard work. It's uh, eating food for purpose, not because like it tastes good, right? It's just like, all right, I just need some fuel. So it's just focused on health. It's extreme wellness. It's extreme wellness. Extreme yeah. wellness. That's right? Perfect. Going out in the rain for a run. It's it's um, getting out in the cold. It's taking those cold showers. You know, I disconnected the hot water heater in the house. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Just the, last night. They don't know it. I turned the heat off. It was cold. It was really cold. You're an animal. Oh, my God. Um, habits are a big part of my life. I think they're, I think habits make or break everyone. I believe we are our habits, period. Are there any habits that you can share with us that you do on a daily basis that sort of help make you who you are? Yeah. Yeah. Like at night, the night, the night every night, the night before, what, what are my big three? I'm getting done tomorrow. That's been going on since I'm preteens. Big three, just pay, tell us what whatever my big three things are tomorrow. I got to, I got to deal with the bank. I got to deal with these two employees. I got to hire this person, whatever the big three things are, I got to get done tomorrow. Those you write them out. Yeah, I write them out, and and those I got to I type them out. Uh, I got to get those big rocks done. Uh, all the other stuff, um, if I get it done or not get it done, it's no big deal. Those three have to get done tomorrow. Many times, those three are moved to the next day too, and like they stay on the list until they're done. Um, mm. I got I got to earn my breakfast. I got to sweat um, b before I eat in the morning. I got to take my cold shower. Um, I got to get to bed. How long do you, how long do you take a cold shower for? I have to admit in the winter, it's a shorter uh, duration <laughs> in the winter. Although I'll tell you something interesting this morning, my garage was freezing. Cause I shut the heat off last night in the house. The garage was freezing and I had to do a live workout and my daughter, I made my daughter do it with me, my youngest daughter. And she was like, my feet are in the, in the middle of the workout. She was like whispering to me, my feet are freezing. Can I go inside? 
no, 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 we got to finish the workout. And we got it done. And I went in, I went in, I, I went and took my cold shower and I was like, wow, the water feels warmer in the shower this morning. But it wasn't warmer. It was just because it was so cold in the garage. <laughs> the cold yeah. water in the, right? So, so um, I'm probably a three minute shower. And I would say as short as one minute in the winter. You know what's so funny? I, there's a piece of me that I, because I also work out in the garage and I don't have a heat source in the garage. And I live not far from you up here. Yep. So it was fucking 19 degrees when I woke up this morning and I've got concrete floors in my gym, right? And I was freezing my ass off and I and I were doing some work on the house and I was with the contractor and I was like, man, it was fucking cold in the gym this morning. And he goes, oh man, we'll pop a, you know, we'll pop a, a, a radiator in there. And I was like, nah. Nah. <laughs> this something it's a sickness like i like like i like it and i've got in my gym i i rigged a chest freezer with uh you know uh with a, with a with a temperature control to keep i fill it halfway up with water and i keep it at 39 degrees nice and so midday i walk down to the gym and i fucking take a deep breath and i jump in the in the chest freezer for five minutes nice nice. i sit in there and if anybody wants to change their day that is an unbelievable way oh my god and and the thing is it never gets better i i I, like i said i've been doing this since the 70s with the cold showers it never gets better never gets better in japan we lived in japan for a year we had the uh we have the cold water plunge, and um, I love that. I, I hate it, but I love it. I'm with you. Right before it, I hate it, but a minute yeah. in, when my when my when my heart rate is down at, at like forty beats per minute, and I'm breathing in there, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, Mike, you are you are truly a sick bastard. Like you love this. You, you become very yeah. in the moment. Like you can't be any clearer. Right? right, and then when you get out, you're just like Robocop. You, you know, you're just like. Yeah. Mm, That's mm. right. All right, so we've got the big three, which I think is great. I'm gonna put that into my routine. And then you've got your cold shower. You got to earn your breakfast. What else? I, I've been going to bed early forever. I've I always go to bed early. Um, I I typically don't eat three or four hours before bedtime. Um, drink mostly water. Yeah, those are those are my those are my big ones, and I work all day. Have you have you have you have you picked up any recent habits that you thought were good enough to throw into your routine? I mean, I always do some mobility and flexibility. Again, I'm, I, I do that forever. New habits um, that I've picked up. No, these are like thirty-five years old. <laughs> There's nothing new in this. This old dog doesn't have anything new. Um, all right, just two last things. Nutrition. Is there a specific thing that you stick to? Do you like? Do you are you the same kind of guy like me, where you just have like ten things you eat and that's yeah. it? Yeah, Mo- mostly plant based. <laughs> I would say I wouldn't say mostly plants. I lean plant based. Um, I have a little bit of little bit of meat, tiny bit of meat. I I do like fish, although lately, the last couple of years, I eat less fish. 
Um, I would say, I would say fish and meat are maybe 10 or 15% of my diet. Um, mostly plant-based. I probably eat too many, um, bars. Uh, I'll grab every couple of days I'll eat a bar because that's like, cause I don't eat anything else that I'm, then I'm, I, that's like my cheat, you know, that's my peak. What's your first meal? First meal is at 9am, a big salad and one or two eggs. You don't eat oats? I, you know, I, I took a blood test. They said 38 out of my 40 biomarkers are perfect. Two of them are not so great. LDL cholesterol, they said, you need to eat oatmeal in the morning. And I said, I don't want to eat oatmeal. This morning I had oatmeal. So they're, they're pushing me to eat oatmeal, but I don't, I don't want it. it. What it does for me when I have it is it makes me want more things like that. When I don't eat it, when I have a salad and eggs, I don't, I don't want it. I can have a salad, I'm good. Soon as I eat something like that, because I don't eat bread, pizza, pasta. I gave up gluten like 12 years ago. So all that's out of my diet. If I eat oatmeal, I'm back in the game. I'm looking for something. Do you know what? Let me. Uh, so I, 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 I don't eat gluten, no bread, no pasta, none of that stuff. I eat oats every morning. It's my first meal every single day. <clears throat> you got to add protein to it. You got to add plant-based protein to it. And that'll, that'll change that craving that you have. All right. We're going to try it. I'll try it tomorrow. I'll try it tomorrow. Um, Joe DeSena, do you think you were born with an inherent ability to crush it? Or do you think you were made over time through grit and grind? I think I was made. I don't think I, I mean, I was born red hair, light skin, a little chubby. I don't think I was born. I think I was made. I grew up in a shitty, crazy neighborhood, crazy household. I was lucky enough to meet all these mentors and, um, and just developed grit and grind over. Look, we're all at our core. We are all gritty, resilient creatures. We would not survive the crib if we were. I mean, think, we wouldn't survive birth if we weren't gritty and resilient. Think about that experience, right? And, and, um, and then we learn helplessness. Our parents uh, bubble wrap us. They make things really easy. They spoon feed us. They give us everything we want. And so I, I, I was made. Wow. I am so happy you said that. Because I was sure you were going to say born. Uh, was... But I'm happy you said made. Dude, this was awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're a legend. And uh, I can't wait to get my ass into one of your races. Let's soon. do it. You got to let me know when there's a yeah, good one. I'll, uh, we're shooting for the new year. We're shooting for it all happening in the new year. And um, we, we're heading out right now to a wrestling tournament. We're going to see if these boys are born or made. <laughs> I'm sure they were born coming out of your, uh, out of your oh, life. My wife, all right, man. My wife Thanks, is too man. nice. That's the problem. I, my wife is too nice. By the way, I think you're so cute. Oh, I'll you're see you so later. See- <laughs> later, man. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Joe DeSena. I had such a good time talking to him. He's just such an interesting guy. I mean, his hustle, his grind is on another level. The guy ran 50 ultra marathons and 14 Ironmans in one year. And he did three of the toughest races on the planet in one week. That just is a little tidbit of what this guy is made of. He's truly a Spartan, and I am so grateful that I was able to get him on the podcast. I'm sure you guys had as good a time as I did. If you love this episode, please share it with your friends. This podcast means 
a lot to me. Uh, I really, really enjoy doing it. I just learn so much from the guests that I have on the show, and it's just a special, it's a special opportunity to be able to do it. So if you love it, please share it. Tell your friends. Tell your fam. Put us on in the gym. Put us on on the car ride. Put us on before you go to bed at night. Let us put you to sleep. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys. I love you very much. And until the next one. Peace.